Hello and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. I'm Simone de Rochefort, Senior Video Producer at Polygon, and I'm here with Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, uh, Executive Director of Rebellion Pack. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Uh, Let me just uh, go on the... Oh, sorry. Go yeah, on. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to review your Twitter account for the week. Uh, Uh-oh. You know, here well. on Rocket as we do. Just have a <laughs> team meeting. Talk yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. So Now's a great talking, time. I, I'm going to be rephrasing this. Uh, but you put sure. out a tweet that was something to the effect of, for those of you who know more than one alphabet <laughs> how long did it take you until you felt fluent and comfortable <laughs> with multiple languages and i was like damn simone why you gotta be cold to us us i mean you know us dumb americans like that that's cold you're right i'm so sorry i should be <laughs> devoting my spare time to better learning about different <laughs> models of Nintendo Switch, not dallying with the Russian language. <laughs> May I just say to you, Brianna Wu? Yes. Izvinitia. <laughs> I, I assume that was uh, some cursing in a different language. And yes, thank you. absolutely. Thank you. Shoot, where's my phone? Why can't I look up how to say forgive me? Wait, I have Google. I'm on a computer. <laughs> Y'all... Y'all, I'm on a computer. <laughs> um, yes, well, thank you for bringing this up. Um, he, huge problem for me, you know, being so lingual as I am. Prostit. Huh, that doesn't... Oh, that's just forgive. Prostite <laughs> minya. Huh, that sounds bad. Uh, <laughs> to you Russian great speakers show. out great there, show. We're so off sorry. to a great start, y'all. This is... Loving this. Free. what this I was going to say when we were yes. both talking at the same time was, I think I speak for everyone when I say I can't believe it's only Wednesday because I'm exhausted, but you just perked me right up. So thank you. That's that's what I do. I try to bring, uh, I use my excellent leadership skills to bring cohesive team morale. Great stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, now I'm going to take us into talking about the news of the week. We got a couple exciting stories today. We're going to update you on uh, the new Nintendo Switch model reviews. We are going to have also one of the most primo beef cuts of dessert that we've had in a while on this show. It's real good. It's real good. Christina, you found this, right? You get no, credit. Simone found this. Simone but, found but, it. Okay. But, but this was completely my ish. So I totally understand why you would think that I did because it does seem like stuff that I would be obsessed with and, and now am. We're going to be making some allegations tonight. <laughs> but first, first, let's talk about recording industry um, nonsense, shall we say. Oh, no, am I biased going into this? I don't know. <laughs> so uh, a group of music publishers, including the RIAA, the National Music Publishers, Publishers Association, uh, several more, which all have very long names, so I'm not going to say them, along with a bipartisan group of uh, 22 members of the House of Representatives, have reached out to Twitter, specifically to Jack Dorsey, demanding that Twitter address copyright infringement on the platform. 
specifically, quote unquote, the ongoing problem of copyright infringement on Twitter and the platform's <sighs> apparent refusal to address it. Twitter's response is due by August 27th, as if they were bad children in uh, an elementary school classroom. So basically, uh, the problem that the Congress people outline in their letter is that unlike some other platforms, Twitter doesn't have licenses to to uh, repost uh, licensed music, etc. Um, unlike some other platforms, I think TikTok, for example, has a lot of music on it. Um, and YouTube. Twitter, all, YouTube, yes, YouTube, great example. A very close relationship with the music publishing industry there. Uh, and they also note that Twitter does not provide a ro- a free, robust search for content creators to identify copyrighted instances of their music. Um, right. And Essentially, it kind of boils down to them saying it kind of seems like Twitter by not providing this, but by allowing creators to be tipped uh, is has created a side business in profiting off of licensed music. Uh, They say that in the first half of 2020, 1.6 million takedown notices for copyright infringement were given to Twitter um, and quote unquote additional infringing content almost certainly goes undiscovered as Twitter has taken the unprecedented step of charging creators for a fully functional search API that can identify instances of infringement at scale. In the letter from the Congress people, they are asking, what will Twitter do to enable content owners to meaningfully search for and identify infringement? Um, Tweets can be uploaded very quickly. That's me paraphrasing. In In a fraction of a second and hundreds of millions are posted to Twitter every day. What is Twitter doing to ensure that takedown notices are addressed in a manner that corresponds with that speed oh, and someone volume? Someone please think of the children. Will they? Will, can we think of the freaking children for once? Three, will Twitter add robust content protection technology across all its platforms and implement it effectively to decrease the posting and reposting of infringing content? Oh, won't somebody please think of the, the licensees, the, the RIAA, impoverished as it is? Anyway, um, I just showed all of my stupid little cards. So, yes, basically the music publishing industry, along with Congress, the music music publishing industry has whined to Congress, and now Congress is going, yeah, you bad social media, take the music down. What are you doing? Um, I think I I come at this from the perspective of a content creator who finds the who finds DMCA just ridiculously restrictive and absurd. Mm-hmm. I think there was one instance where in in a in a video on our YouTube channel, uh one of the one of our creators did their own version of the Mortal Kombat song, like instrumented it, did the instrumentation themselves, sang it themselves for like 10 seconds and we got a DMCA strike on that video. And it's just ridiculous. And if you'll remember during E3, Microsoft Microsoft had a separate, sorry, Xbox had a separate stream that didn't include any licensed music so that people would be able to restream that on Twitch and do commentary as one does. Square Enix in their presentation had a, um, a licensed music free version. And instead of replacing any of the music with, um, with like royalty free music, they replaced it with nothing. And (laughs) it was really, really funny actually, but also the dumbest thing in the world. 
So I, I sort of come down on the side of I don't think that the RIAA has good in- has the good intentions of protecting small creators from oh. having their songs posted in like a one minute video and a tweet. I don't believe that. Is that. it ephemeral that that is that is not like like that? Even though Twitter has a more algorithm determined timeline, it is not like Facebook. It is not like TikTok. It is not like YouTube where you tend to be able to see things in a certain way, like. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the tweet and then it's gone. Like it's not as if they 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 last all that long unless something goes really viral. But like it's it's ephemeral by nature. Yes, and I will open the floor up to both of you now because I've just talked for probably eight minutes straight. This, well, this is Christina's story. My comments very quick on this. This is a mob shakedown. It is one hundred percent. As 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 uh, you're reading this statement. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't think these people truly believe this as much as, uh, some lobbyists came to them and donated a bunch of money to them mm-hmm. and got them to do the shakedown. Right. And this isn't about artists. This is about some high power people, uh, back channeling with the government through things that I think are legal bribes. Uh, you know, these huge campaign contributions, uh, and they're using it to shake down Twitter for some cash. And, you know, just, uh, just to be brutally cynical here we got real problems this Mm -hmm. week going on we have real problems as a country and i just i think this is what people hate about politics like the sense that politicians are not on your side or working for them so that's my thought christina take it away this is your topic (laughs) yeah no totally uh no i think you're right this is totally a shakedown i i don't think necessarily they're trying to get money from twitter from what i gather from people that i've talked to um, and, and just kind of my own kind of following of this, it seems to me, especially in the wording of the language that like, they would really love to have to force Twitter to enact some sort of content ID system. They would really mm. like Twitter to have to do some sort of license deal with them, um, and, and, and share profits that way. So I guess in that sense, they do want to get money from them. So, so I guess you're right in, in that sense, but, but it, it's one of those things where they would really, really like to have Twitter under their thumb the same way that they have YouTube under their thumb. And boy, do they ever have YouTube under their thumb. Mm. Um, you know, and, and Twitch too, right? Twitch had resisted for a while and now has, you know, kind of the agreement and, and they kind of got scared. And Twitch, I think it basically probably came down to, this is too much of a pain in the ass for us to legally defend ourselves against this stuff, even though Section 230 means that we're not responsible. This is becoming too much of, of, of a hassle for us. So we are just going to proactively start taking down streamers and, and giving them strikes mm-hmm. if there are violations. And and yeah, fine, we'll, we'll build you the tools that you want to make mass stuff easier. Um, and, and, and that was disappointing. And as you pointed out, you know, that has had a negative impact on, on the Twitch ecosystem. Um, there are also, I mean, there are people who I, I know I have, there are Twitch streamer friends of mine who have had copyright violations for the sound of silence on their streams. There have been, you know, people who have like the sound of keyboards, you know, things like that go up. Like there are all kinds of cases where these automated systems don't work. Um, I've had instances Mm -hmm. on on our YouTube channel where we owned a license to the music that was played in an event. We had the appropriate license for it and we're still given a strike um, for, for like an official corporate event that we had. And then the process of having to go through and fight that and prove I do have the license for this and whoever is claiming this doesn't really and and whatnot is such a hassle that really you just wind up silencing, you know, that 30 seconds because who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And and it, and it is a shakedown. And it is, as you said, Brie, we have better things to do. And frankly, and this is kind of was kind of my point when I tweeted about this, this is completely going against the best interests, in my opinion, of the artists, right? So, okay, Universal Music, Lucian Grange is is mad about this. Who freaking cares? The 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 artists, first of all, would be getting fractions of a cent of anything that we <laughs> played on Twitter. Like if that, they'd be getting fractions of a cent. Second of all, like how many years now? It has been over two decades since Napster. And the music industry has never ceased to amaze me from its inability to recognize like the future happening and embracing it and maybe finding a way forward for them versus just continuing to sue users, sue fans, sue anybody else they can out of existence. Like they, it, it, it's stunning to me that you have this lobbying group who is so just blind to the future reality. Like, Okay, they they made the 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 deal with TikTok and 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 most of the labels have an arrangement with TikTok and and that's fine, all well and good. But they they didn't have a deal with them for a long time. What happened? Big songs have broken on TikTok. You know, big songs have broken on SoundCloud. Now mm-hmm. people don't even use Twitter to share music. If anything, like if you make a video and it has some background stuff in it or whatever, like the the chances of videos going viral on Twitter, it doesn't happen. It's just not the platform where that happens. But let's say that it started to. You're going to really say, okay, we we want to make this so onerous for people that in the off chance that if somebody wanted to use like this music, they now have to go through some sort of licensing scheme on the off chance that this person is opted into a tipping program that not even everyone can use and that not everyone will enable because they have to set up on the off chance that, oh, they might get a tip and and, and a a video clip that they have might have some sort of copywritten music in the background. It's just absurd to me. And it's like really... If you wanted to talk about trying to to spread, you know, awareness of songs, you would let it be used in like a 15 second clip on a video and you wouldn't worry about the low quality audio that someone sees. That's the thing, because I think for me, even though I agree, I think the situation with Twitch and YouTube is absurd as well. Taking just the scenario of how video clips are distributed on Twitter, it is absurd to think that somebody could be using Twitter like you like people use YouTube to listen to music. Yes. Yes. That, they, people 100%. do that. Nobody does that with Twitter. Nobody no. is faving a tweet that has a video that has a song that they like and going back through their likes, which are displayed like a Twitter timeline in the worst possible sense mm-hmm. and re-listening to their, what is it? Two minute, 20 second video. Right. That has licensed music in it. No one is doing that. What people are doing, if anything, if they find a song that they like on Twitter, is watching that video and going, oh, I'm going to go to Spotify and add that to my playlist. Like, yep. that's that's what's happening here. It's absurd exactly to think that, like, meaningful money would be being lost on Twitter. What is, I think, instead being lost is like pennies that you are literally <laughs> like right what's being scraping lost is, is out of what's the being earth. lost is, is their ability to control everything and to have like yeah. like more insight into data and whatnot which you know twitter doesn't have to provide them the the, yeah. the way that it works now twitter twitter follows the law exactly they get a dmca request they send it to the user the user can appeal or but usually you know they delete the tweet i've received them a couple of times for themes i'm up i've uploaded one time i didn't even realize that it had some sort of thing with it and again it was like yeah all right, fine, I'm just going to delete this. I've had, I've had like, I've had notices come in for things that I sent five years ago. I'm like, okay, cool. I, I'll delete this. What, who cares, you know? And, and, like, and what you- happens in a scenario where like, say I'm, I don't know, let's imagine a scenario where I'm at a bar with my friends and we take a right. silly video and there's yes. music playing in the background. It is draconian 
to think that a robot would identify that licensed music and be like, nah, you can't share this. Like, oh no, I swore. Oh no, oh no, we've probably all been swearing. Oh no, you've broken the seventh seal. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) This like crappy, crappy audio version that isn't even about the music at all. Exactly. It just, it's, 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 it's in the background, which, yeah. right. right. I mean, because we've seen this with people in, and, you know, we've seen like police officers and people in protests trying to play commercial music. So stuff gets taken off of YouTube and, and, and which is just so gross. And also, frankly, like, and this is the problem, like, like fair use is such a minefield, but like, frankly, that background stuff, if it's not like the main part of the video, there is a very good argument to make that it's incidental and it's not part of the thing yeah. itself. Now, that's, that's unfortunately too difficult for most people to, you know, deal with and, and, and YouTube's decision, which is exactly what the RIA wants Twitter's to be, is YouTube is just by default, they just side with the, they side with the movie studios and they side with the record labels. They just by default do it. And it's just, the whole thing is just really stupid. A hundred percent. And like you said, like when we talk about fair use, it is, I agree with you, Christian, this is way, it's something that is legally nebulous enough that there's not hard and fast rules for it, right? Because often right. you have to bring the stuff before a judge to figure out what is and is not fair use. But just talking about the spirit of it here, mm-hmm. like the context of it in a tweet, it's exactly like you're saying. People aren't like, I'm not listening to something by Thunderpuss 2000, like on Twitter. I've never <laughs> listened to anything on Twitter ever. It's Twitter all tried like, to have a music product twice. It failed right. both times. <laughs> it's just not what it's for. It's like Twitter is an ephemeral conversation about what's happening now. And music bits are rarely a part of that, though I really struggle to think of any time where it is. And, you know, it's just, it's them looking for, to it's them working with their corporate lobbyists to uh, add a few cents to someone's bottom line at the expense, at the freaking expense of what makes Twitter great, which is yep. this free-flowing, fun experience for people just to share mm-hmm. ideas out mm-hmm. there. And now you're going to take Twitter and you're going to like start flagging stuff or or giving data away so they can charge people like it's just it's ridiculous it's 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 honestly disgusting and i don't think it serves the people i think it serves a corporate bottom line i don't think this will protect artists at all yeah no. and i i think i am the very last person who would say like exposure is worth it like when it when it comes to to art and music like don't make things for exposure but i think What's at the end of the day going to happen if Twitter were to aggressively enforce copyright in 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 more than just sending the DMCA notices that they're required to do? People are not going to to use music on Twitter anymore. It's, it's no. just not going to be worth it. There's no like like with YouTube videos, people will people will keep making content about music and about film because it's long form. They are adding to it in a substantive way they are they're 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 making patreons that they can find to kind of get away with you know yeah exactly stuff yeah nobody is going to go any nobody's going to make any more effort than they need to to post anything on twitter and maybe at the end of the day you say okay that's fine because the artists weren't getting anything from it anyway well, they also weren't really losing anything from well, it. That's exactly it. That's the point, right? They're not losing it. And like and like you said, I'm not gonna I like you, I'm not gonna tell people do things for exposure. But here's the reality, and this has been what's happened. In the music industry historically, except for a very brief time in the late 1990s that ironically was largely propelled by by downloading and, and file sh- um, file sharing, 
um, it's always been a loss leader. The real money for music artists has never been in selling the records. It has always been in the, the touring and the merchandising and in the, the other sorts of things, endorsements. That's always been where it's been. Um, and, and it was for a very brief period of time where you were actually selling records in the numbers where you could see people with the ridiculous percentage points they would get, you know, on, on, um, records to actually make money. So Mm -hmm. I I feel like, like you, I'm not saying do it for exposure, but at this point, your Spotify streams don't pay you anything and people aren't buying records anymore. So it really does actually help if people are putting stuff on social media to drive people to Spotify, to drive people to Apple Music, to drive people to your merch, to your other direct, you know, like revenue places. Like you, you have to have that. At this point, the industry has decided, not anybody else, but the industry, you know, like the, the three major labels have decided that they have basically said, we now are in an all streaming kind of universe. You pay $10 a month. That's how you get it. Um, they basically said, we, we give up on, on pure sales. We don't, we, we accept that that is no longer reality. So they are basically, they, they've been the ones who have gone all the way and devalued, you know, what yeah. a song is worth. So that's a really good point. All right. So we think that this is full of crap. <laughs> and this episode of rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all in one platform to build your online presence and run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, they've got you covered. Squarespace combines cutting-edge design and world-class engineering, making it easier than ever to establish your home online and make your ideas a reality. Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful and modern website. You start with a professionally designed template and use tools, drag-and-drop tools, to make it your own. You can customize the look and feel, the settings, the products you have on sale, and more with just a few clicks. And all Squarespace websites are optimized for mobile. Your content automatically adjusts so it will look great on any device. I think the true... The true pain point of being a content creator is just recognizing that no matter what kind of beautiful thumbnail I make or anything, most of the people who see it are going to be on their phones. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I'll make the text really big. Anyway, you won't have to worry about that when you have a Squarespace website. It'll just automatically be good. You'll also get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed. There's nothing to patch or upgrade. They even have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Plus, you'll have everything you need for SEO and email marketing to get your ideas out there. You can use Squarespace to turn your big idea into a new website, to showcase your work with their incredible portfolio designs, to publish your next blog post, to promote your business, to announce an upcoming event, and so much more. Ho, 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 ho. I think if I if I were to make a website about one thing right now, it would be just a beautiful splash page telling everyone about the chicken sandwich I had for dinner because it is still with me in a very tangible way, um, but also is a beautiful memory. And I would post the picture of it. I took a really nice picture of it. Um, and I would just make that like the the big splash image. And then I would have the text you know, kind of maybe come up over the image as people are scrolling. That would be really nice. And then people would understand where I'm coming from and maybe why I need to take a break, take a nap in the middle of this podcast. Simone'sChickenMemories.com. Yes. (laughs) Head to Squarespace.com slash rocket 
for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code ROCKET to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com rocket. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase. And show your support for us here at Chicken Sandwich Eaters at ROCKET. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't generalize. No, I'm a chicken sandwich eater. I I eat chicken sandwiches. I'm Um, I'm a chicken sandwich fan. Before we start the next topic, I have a question. Who who discovered this topic this week? Who who pitched this? This is me. Thank you for costing. I deliberately read no news about this because I knew I'd buy one. And (sighs) then you posted for Rocket. Well, maybe you shouldn't be on a tech podcast. If you don't want to be forced to buy the new Nintendo Switch at gunpoint by me. I say Christina is bankrupting my family and now you're helping. <laughs> I mean, I am. I'm, so, so here's what's funny. I haven't bought one for myself yet. I have pre-ordered one for a friend. So I do have a pre-order out there, but not for myself. But yeah, I'm probably going to get one too. <laughs> Just when you think you're safe from Christina, Simone, Simone. sneaks into your, your DMs and tells you about the Nintendo Switch OLED model. Okay, though. It good though. Okay, so some initial reviews have come out for the uh, OLED Nintendo Switch. That's the the new Nintendo Switch model that's coming out this fall that everyone thought was going to be the Switch Pro, but it isn't. But guess what? It's still good. So some of these reviews are from the beginning of the month, and then others are from two days ago because of reasons. So as a reminder for you listeners, the Nintendo Switch OLED uh, is the new model that has a 7-inch OLED screen compared to the 6.2 inch not OLED screen oh. on the crappy Nintendo Switch that you own, you peasant. Um, <laughs> it has, it doesn't necessarily like have better internals, but it does have some improvements, uh, those being better speakers, uh, 64 gigs of internal storage, a wired LAN port in the new dock that uh, you can purchase with it, as well as a different kind of kickstand for tabletop mode. So I think when this initially, when the news about this initially broke, we were all, we were not necessarily against it. We thought like, okay, good deal though. It's not the Switch Pro, but like it seems like a solid upgrade, especially at a time when we all know there is a huge chip shortage so why upgrade to a switch that would need to have all new internals right now but we are now uh hearing from initial reviews people are really really liking it so andy robinson uh over at video games chronicle says the screen is a huge improvement uh noting brighter colors and deeper blacks he said that breath of the wild on the oled switch looks like a resed up pc port even though the resolution has not actually changed um, and there's more detail on scenery like grass and water in Super Mario Odyssey. Meanwhile, Dieter at The Verge says the kickstand is finally good. That is a quote. It's finally good. <laughs> so the kickstand on the new Switch, and I don't think we talked about this last time, actually. I think we just kind of assumed, eh, new kickstand, whatever. It'll be fine, because the original one is just kind of, it feels like the flimsiest thing in the world. No, the new kickstand, rather than just being a thin bit of plastic on the back, it is the bottom half of the whole back of the switch that you can pop out, and it adjusts. So Dieter was mentioning in his review, he could just like push down gently on the switch and adjust the angle of the kickstand from down to nearly flat. 
which sounds like, which is a huge, huge difference between this switch and the original and uh, even the battery refresh model. Uh, the screen also now basically fills uh, the, the front side of the switch. There's still a bit of a bezel, but the little bit of bezel around the screen is now shiny, <laughs> which, okay, fair enough. That's not going to be the, the deal breaker for me. Seems nice, but I don't care. Um, everyone pretty much agrees this is an upgrade that will mo- be most notable for people who play in handheld mode. Because as we noted, when it is docked, there's not really any, there's no performance difference uh, from your Switch to the TV. But it's the OLED screen in handheld mode where it really shines. And it also seems like this <laughs> would maybe be a better uh, airplane option with the with the kickstand. Can I pause right there and ask a team question? Because I had a question I wanted to ask Rocket when I read that. Do any of us ever play it in TV mode? I do it once in a blue moon when I'm trying to work on a Zelda or something. But hand to God, it's 95% handheld. I mean, what's y'all's ratio? So I do. I am the proverbial TV player. And the reason for that um, is because if I am... Oh, A, I just really love the way that the games look. Like somehow Stardew Valley on my like 72 inch TV just looks gorgeous. Like I want to fall into it. But if I am multitasking and watching TV while playing the Switch, I prefer to have the screen that I'm not really looking at, which is the the TV, uh, like the TV show I'm watching on a laptop or something close to me. Um, and then I can like look down at it if I need to, but have the thing that I'm really focusing on be on the big screen. Um, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Christina, anyway. back me up. Team I'm handheld, about, right? I'm about 50, 50. I'm primarily oh, handheld, but, wow. but I do actually, well, I'm, I am like, I would oh. say probably, I'm actually probably 70, 30. I'm probably 70 handheld, 30, 30, okay. um, TV. Okay. Um, because I do like Simone. I like how they look. It is one of those things where it is way more convenient and I play it, you know, I mean, I have the switch light as well, but yeah, I do. Um, I, I've used the, the, the TV mode more than, more than I thought that I would. But I think, I mean, at the end of the day, if you use your switch outside of the house, you are de facto using it handheld mode. Um, so, you know, for whatever time I spend gaming in my house on the switch rather than any other console, yeah, I'm usually using it on the TV unless I'm like in bed. But yeah, to your point, Bree, it probably is mostly a handheld machine. Yeah, Definitely. I, I don't know. I, I read that and like, it doesn't have any features for TV mode. I was just like, who the hell uses this in TV <laughs> mode? And I guess the answer is uh, Simone de Rochefort and Christina Warren. So I, have yeah, an I, I found a that. lot of parents, yeah. actually. I've actually found a lot of parents uh, with younger kids, um, especially for multiplayer, um, you know, use it on the TV as well. Yeah, so like if fair, you have like a lot fair. of younger kids who are playing Minecraft or something like that, like, you know, it's a lot easier to have multiple controllers rather than dealing with multiple switches and, and linked mode yeah. and stuff. Bree, I want to know what it was about this topic that pushed you from meh into cursing my name. (laughs) Well, this is how it happened. I was sitting in my house. It was, curse you, Simone de Rochefort. (laughs) I was reading about the Blades of Grass in uh, Breath of the Wild. It talks about this, talking about how much more beautiful... Uh, the blades of grass are and how you can spot treasure in the distance more easily because it's bright colors. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I feel like this is especially true for Nintendo games, but I have spent so much time from like a, a game engine perspective trying to pick apart how the hell 
they get those colors in a Mario game to be so beautiful and pure that you want to lick them. Mm -hmm. Like that red Mm -hmm. is the purest most beautiful shade of red and everything in the world is that red. And I know it's not an emissive map. I assume it's some curve with the diffuse uh, shader that they're doing, but like Nintendo games overall just have color that pops, I think in general more than Xbox and, and, uh, and uh, PlayStation. So like reading about that, how much more vibrant the colors are and it really making a difference mm-hmm. for features that makes me go, Oh man, now I could be playing breath of the wild. And I could be like, you know what? This grass sucks. This grass <laughs> is substandard. Can't play it. And I'm just going to feel like I'm playing on the Hoopty Switch from now on. What if you just, what if you never perceive the OLED Switch? What if we never let you get close enough to see the difference between your shoddy, shoddy machine <laughs> and the beautiful, shiny new one? That, that's my only hope, right? And I okay, guess it so helps we have that to we protect don't leave you. the house as much with Delta variant. So, yeah. There we go. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, I do have to say, I think that kickstand intrigued me. And I may be one of the only people who consistently uses the kickstand. Um, Yes, I would say you definitely are. That's that's when I think, like, I can see people using TV mode. I have never used the kickstand. I use the kickstand a lot, but in a very weird use case, it's so... It's so it's so flimsy that when you flick it out, you feel like you're going to break it. Yeah, yep. so it feels like dangerous, right? So you're sitting there oh. on a plane and you clip it open, and then it's got that satisfying snap, like when you put it back in. I love sitting there playing with the kickstand as I play. Just I was going to say the sound out. is yeah. so horrible because it sounds like you're going to break it, but you like the click. I was going to say, hey, I'm always afraid that I'm going to break it, so I never, I never open it. Like that's my point. It's risky. Well, right? I mean, here's like, the thing: a couple yeah. of the articles mentioned that, but it does pop back on, right? Like I, I, I'm pretty sure the kickstand comes off, but you can pop it back in. I, I assume so, yeah. Let me go get my Switch and rip it in half. <laughs> I, I'm not real sure. I mean, I've seen people complain about it breaking, but I mean, it's an, it's a Nintendo product. Nintendo typically is pretty yeah. good with the whole, you know, like Except longevity for thing. The Joy-Cons. The Joy-Cons. Um, so we still don't know because this isn't, you know, being played for 200 hours by reviewers yet. Uh, we still don't know whether Nintendo has fixed the Joy-Con drift. I believe they, last if, if time they, we talked about this, we surmised that they probably have not. If they're not saying, they would be saying. They would be saying improved. Well, would they? Because then the people who have the original Joy-Cons would be like, hey, class action. <laughs> no, well, they've already done that. And Nintendo is already is already repairing people's. Like, that's already a thing. If yours are, have drift, you can just fill out a form on Nintendo's website and, and mail them in, and they will mail you back new ones. So they're already doing that. Yeah. But, like, regardless of your warranty, like, they don't even care. So yeah. that that that's already taken care of. But I think the thing is, it would just be, like, with Apple, you know, like... With the keyboards. Yeah, they, they acknowledged it. Like, they didn't go into the whole thing, like, we're so sorry our keyboard was terrible and you sued us all and, 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 and we made a mistake, which they should have, to be honest. They absolutely should have... Like, like before he retired, like Phil Schiller should have stood up on that stage along with Tim Cook <laughs> and they should have like honestly like told all of us. They should have brought so Johnny sorry. Ive back. 
Oh, yeah, you should have brought him back just to apologize. Like, I'm so sorry that I did this to you. the stage. Like, like 100%. Like, like account for yourself. We, we know what we did was wrong, and we broke your trust, and we're sorry. They didn't yeah. do that. And, and, and I wouldn't expect Nintendo to do that, but I would expect them, if it was changed, to make comments, like, new and improved. Yeah, I guess I, I, I'll, I'll talk this through because I feel like my logic maybe isn't totally sound here. But if I'm buying a new laptop from Apple, yes, I need to know that that um, that it is an improved product and that it's not going to have these same keyboard problems. If I'm an original Switch owner who then finds out, well, frick, they've got these new frickin' Joy-Cons and these are the ones that don't break. I don't want to buy a whole new Switch, but I guess I do need to plonk down $70 for new Joy-Cons now. I I don't know. I would be a little bit peeved, but I guess you, since, as you point out, they are repairing them. Right. It's, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. They, they, could just, they could just replace them with maybe the new fixed ones or whatever, or replace them. I mean, I, I mean, people are going to be peeved, and I get that. At a certain point, my, my old thing with and Joy-Con Drift, like, I, it's definitely a thing, and I'm not discounting that. At a certain point, though, like, when you're talking about a console that is, like, more than four years old, like... And, and and it's primarily, especially if you're using it in handheld mode, and that is your primary, like, you know, like, way of using the controller thing, it is mm-hmm. not illogical to be like, yeah, I might have to replace the controllers after four years of consistent yeah. use. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, especially for something that's, you know, ultimately it's, uh, I'm going to get blowback for this, but it's 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 a children's toy in many ways. Like there are a lot of children that play with this. It's meant to be thrown around, put in a bag, all of that. It's It's not crazy. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, stay tuned to find out what we do. What color are you <laughs> going to get, Brie? I think I'm going to go white. Yeah, the white is hot. It does look nice. I, I do hate to say it. I, I was pretty down on it last time, but in the pictures, especially considering the shiny new bezel. It looks really hot. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Can we I'm, just say it's impossible to get, by the way? Like, oh, of course uh, it is. It's not on eBay at all for even scalper prices. I don't know if Nintendo has back-channeled with them. It's not available on Amazon for even scalper prices. I, I pre-ordered I, one, I pre-ordered yeah, one for October off of Walmart. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And, and Amazon has had pre-orders too. So Wario 64 as always is uh, is somebody to follow if you're looking for that because it's going to be out in October. So that's now Walmart could screw me because they've screwed me before, like with the the, the um, SNES Classic. But um, I, I did get a Walmart pre-order in. I, I always feel bad about asking because you know you want to use Aunt Christina sparingly, and you got me an RTX this year. So I was, I was like, do I want to call Christina and see if she? I'll knows be on the lookout next time one? I see stuff. In this case, right, yeah. in this case, I'll be on the lookout. And in this case, right. my my friend um, Lindsay, his his switch was commandeered by his stepdaughter, and <laughs> um, uh, he knows that the new switch will be commandeered by his wife Ashley. Um, but Ashley uh, will forget about it after like a week uh, so he will then get it back so so Lindsay like asked me like the very first day he was like you got to help me get one of these so i immediately like pre-ordered one for him i i vividly remember my parents making that argument when they got my brother and i a new toy when we were children they'd be like i know he's hogging it right now but in a week he's just gonna forget all about it and then you can play with it simone did 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 he come through? Do you forget about it? Don't remember. <laughs> I see, and I was the terrible bratty child who like insisted. Well, Kelly has the the pound puppy set. I want oh. the exact same pound puppy set, but there's got to be a dark 
um, um, a, a dot on the tag that shows that which one is mine so we can tell them apart because I can't possibly have Kelly using mine, even though of course I was not. the baby sister. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the baby siblings that are the problem, I think. 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, today's dessert. Oh, gee, a story made for us. So this dramatic saga was published in the Wall Street Journal. The head of Scholastic Corp, the uh, book publishing company, much beloved by me as a child because they would send Mm -hmm. the magazines to school for the Scholastic Book Fair. And then you choose what book you want to order and then you get new books. Uh, So the long time head of this. Yes, book fair was so good. Um, It has unfortunately suffered during the pandemic, but we'll get to that. The head of Scholastic Corp has died. Richard Robinson Jr. died suddenly in June on a walk in Martha's Vineyard. More on this later. Why are we talking about the death of the CEO of a book company? Aren't we a tech podcast? Gee whiz. He did not leave his $1.2 billion publishing empire to either of his two adult sons, Mm-mm. nor did he leave it to his siblings, Mm-mm. nor did he leave it to his ex-wife, which the journal reports, whom he had rekindled a friendship, uh, with whom he had rekindled a friendship during the pandemic. Who did he leave it to? Control went to Ioli Lucchese, Scholastic's chief strategy officer. Not only did she inherit the $1.2 billion publishing empire, she inherited all of his personal possessions. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's not bury the lead. She was the mistress. She was the mistress, yes. The copy of the will that the journal reviewed uh, was from 2018. So was this was not a new development. Apparently, they had had a long-term relationship at Scholastic, uh, where she, of course, worked. But people are saying that they had been broken up for a while. Um, the children and the ex-wife and the siblings were all very shocked and upset. I will note, for benefit of, of our listeners, the younger son... Uh, is a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker. The older son is a sawmill owner on Martha's <sighs> Vineyard. And he said in an email to the Wall Street Journal that he fishes the fish and he culls the deer on Martha's <sighs> Vineyard. This story is directly, <laughs> directly out of HBO's critically acclaimed 100%. drama succession because it, it, it describes the children, neither Perfectly. of whom... Were are in, are currently involved in the company. The um the older son I think had worked there as an an inter when he was in his twenties he had worked there briefly, but currently as I said he is a sawmill owner. He's saying I had told my father I wanted a position on the board. I wanted to be more involved in the company. The younger son uh was also I guess nebulously. Of running. running. He had ideas about how the company should be run and wanted to be involved in the running of the company. Was he? No. He didn't. He said uh, he didn't want to work at a corporation. He didn't want to throw his 20s away at a corporation. Even one, I guess, that his father literally owned. Um, the interesting part of this, I mean, it's very interesting. So I will say we we have said that uh, Ms. Lucchese, who the company was left to, is the mistress. That is true. What is also true is that she apparently was a very, like, contentious and, like, outspoken voice on the board saying that Scholastic should do more digital. She was, like, smart. Yeah. She, when, so during the pandemic, when Scholastic was suffering because they could have no book fairs because there was no school, 
She was the one who pushed for them to have digital services. And then when they did that, was like, hey, shouldn't we be collecting freaking analytics from this to see what our customers are interested in, what other Scholastic products they're interested in? And the rest of the board was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) which is like, as we were reading this, we were like, okay, so. So he did the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like leaving the majority, leaving all of his uh, majority shares to her. Like that was and actually a rights. good decision. Yeah. I mean, I mean, can I just say, even that aside, like, I don't care if she's dumb as a rock, just in general, I'm team mistress in Absolutely. this situation. You got Absolutely. You know, like, get paid. You know, like, for everything I read about her, she seems really smart and interesting. And frankly, you know, do you want, like, another billionaire family with with generational wealth? Or do you want to root for the businesswoman that came in, formed a, a, a cohesive vision for the future of a billion-dollar empire, and, 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 and made the, this person's last years on, on Earth, like, more memorable, right? I mean... Oh, 100. And, like, neither of the sons were involved in the freaking company. Exactly. Right. Plus, like, she's, like, 20 years younger than him. So, like, she gave up a lot, too, right? Like, who knows right. how long this relationship was going on. Saying she probably had some better romantic prospects, I'm assuming. Well, like, here's the thing, Christina. We actually, uh, I was reading this article with my friends over dinner. I think that she, I think this turned out well for her. Because think about it this way. She had her 20s, and I think her mm-hmm. early 30s, did do whatever she wants. She's 54 now. Um, she had this relationship with Mr. Robinson at this time in her life, I think what for the last maybe 15 years or so. Okay. Now, now the problem that she's going to face is that she is going to be an extraordinarily, extraordinarily wealthy elderly woman someday. Hot milf summer. I'm here for it. Honestly, but she could be Um, taken advantage of. By some dastardly if she man. Wants to go cra- if a billionaire, yeah, like, when she's eighty, if, 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 if look, more, if she wants power to her, it's a I was gonna say, <laughs> no, I was gonna say, like, look, I was always Team Anna Nicole in that whole thing. To be yep. honest, like, yep. honestly, hundred percent, God, one hundred percent, Team Anna Nicole. Like, she did what she needed to do. He loved her. She loved him in her own way. Like, the family was obviously very upset about it. But, like, that went to, like, the Supreme Court for a reason. Um, <laughs> and, and I was very Team Anna Nicole on that. But in this case, you know, she's not even, like, it's not even a case where you could be arguing, like, oh, she didn't already have some relationship to the business or anything else. Mm-hmm. Really, it just seems like the, the ex-wife who, sorry, it, it's great that you, re- you rekindled a friendship. You're still divorced. You're still not yeah. on the will. Um, you still like, you know, didn't, um, uh, negotiate your post nup or prenup or whatever it was like the, the way that you, you maybe should have, uh, or, or whatever, like you're not in the will. We all saw knives out. Um, like this seems like one of those situations, like your family sucks, leave it to the person who is a not incompetent and, mm-hmm. uh, and B who apparently you like spending time with because like, you don't leave the family business to Connor Roy. You just no, don't. You don't. And since we, and she seems the closest to a shiv that we have in this situation. So, yeah. Even better because she's been involved in the company. Um, thoughts on, so, okay, one observation that did strike me. So she obviously met Robinson while working at the company. He also met his ex-wife when she was in the art department at the company, which made all of us go, 
Huh. Obviously. <laughs> um, and his ex-wife also rose to a pretty uh, high position in the company during her time there and then left. I can't remember if she left. I think she left after they were divorced. But there were some great quotes in there from her saying, so in an email that she sent to the Wall Street Journal after they asked for comments, she was saying, Richard told me that I loved Scholastic even more than he did. And there were people commenting saying like, yes, she lived and breathed Scholastic. She was like, I raised my children and I gave the rest of my life to Scholastic. So I'm I'm getting the sense that there might be some bitterness there. No. Yeah. Oh, I'm, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that there is. I'm sure that there's bitterness the fact that, you know, he met her at the company, which is inappropriate and gross and what happens at large corporations and it's not illegal and it is what it is. And then he met the younger version and did the same thing. And uh, yeah, I'm, I would be pissed if I were her too. I'm very pissed for her, but I'm also team mistress. Like, yeah. Yep. And one final observation on this before we go to what we're doing this week. So he died on a walk on Martha's vineyard. As you do on a walk with his ex-wife and his youngest son. Interesting. That's and so his cause of death. I don't I, know if y'all have spent time in Martha's Vineyard, but that's so cliche. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, here was it the really question. Is. As I was reading the article over dinner with uh, my friends, one of them was like, where was the son who lives on Martha's Vineyard? Why mm-hmm. wasn't he there? What's going on? I'm just waiting for the Dateline episode about again, this. Yeah, again, yeah. Again, like I was going to say, like, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not this saying anyone like murdered a... anyone. I'm no, just no, no, no. saying well, I've well, got I, questions. Well, I'm just saying... I'm thinking Knives Out. Like, I think Succession is obviously mm. the first place we go with this. But but Knives Out, I thought a lot about, too. Well, and here's the other very important thing that um, one of the podcast hosts on A Date with Dateline, a podcast that I often listen to, uh, has said before, if somebody's not in your will, you got to tell them. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. if you don't, they're going to think that they're going to inherit millions of dollars from you. And they're going to kill you. You got to let them know that they've got nothing coming. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah you probably got to tell them at the same time. That's probably a good way to go if you if you're like worried about being murdered. However, also if this happens and you're not murdered, like that's for the family to deal with. Like that's not your problem anymore after you're dead. Mm-hmm. Like let everybody so else like deal with that drama. And yeah, he, he the last years of his life would have been spent with his family screaming at him if if they had known that they weren't his will. So you 100%. know, you, you you take your risks where you find them. Anyway, I'm not saying that he was murdered. That would be silly of me. I'm just saying it would make a great episode of Succession and or episode of Dateline and or sequel to Knives Out at Ryan Johnson yeah. come through. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say this. Like, I'm not saying anyone was murdered. I am saying that this would be a fantastic, like, step off for someone to write a murder mystery using this exact same scenario. Yes, I actually literally... (laughs) I was like, this is my story now. Um, No, it's everyone's story who read it in the Wall Street Journal. But most importantly, the person who wrote it, who is Jeffrey A. Trachtenberg and Shalini Ramachandran. Anyway, hey, this episode of Rocket is... Also brought to you by Parallel, our uh, sibling podcast over here at Relay FM. And if you like our show, there's a good chance you'll like Parallel. Accessibility and tech has come a long way in the past few years. Operating systems can speak, they can display high contrast text, and they can support alternative ways to touch the screen or move around it. And big players in the tech space now speak regularly about their access efforts. 
but are those efforts and all that software any good? Hosted by journalist and accessibility expert Shelley Brisbane, Parallel is a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. Shelley and her guests put accessibility into a larger context. Sometimes it's about devices and software. Sometimes it's about living in a world that's powered by more tech every day. Accessibility is the icing on the cake. And if you're interested, uh, you can check out episodes like how iPhone's LiDAR sensor will revolutionize accessibility, uh, as well as navigating the Zoom-based world when you're blind. Join Shelly Brisbane and her guests at relay.fm slash parallel or search for parallel wherever you get your podcasts. Christina, what are you up to this week? So, um, and this is going to, I apologize, this is going to kind of be a little bit of a downer, but I don't want it to be. Um, uh, a good friend of mine and um, a colleague, um, Abel Wang, um, died last week um, after after battling um, cancer. And he Ooh. was just a wonderful, wonderful person. And I learned so much from him and, and he just had such a great heart and and um, just, just a fantastic, fantastic person who's known as the rock star because he played one hell of a guitar and had really long hair. You could always, you know, know mm-hmm. when you would needed to ask for him someplace by just saying, you know, the Chinese guy with the the long hair. Um, really tremendous person. And his uh, his wife has asked in in lieu of, you know, uh, flowers or anything else for, for people to donate to Girls Who Code. And so I um, uh, started a thing earlier this week where I, I said I would match up to $1,500, which was um, the the bonus that we got um, for, uh, for for COVID at Microsoft. Um to, to girls who could, if people would show me their receipts, um, we've already surpassed that. But I, I would just ask for uh, for people in the audience who, if you have something, if you're running to contribute to a good cause, consider donating to Girls Who Code um, uh, in memory of Abel Wang because he was he was a great person and it's a great cause. So that's my that's my weekly update. I have dropped the uh, link to that in the show notes if anyone wants to check that out. Yeah, I'm so sorry, Christina. That sucks. I have a I have a soft spot for Chinese guys with long hair myself. Yes. So wow, I'm I'm really sorry to hear that. Wow, Brianna, what are you up to this week? Sorry, well, um, <laughs> sorry I for am, that. I no, it's a, okay. <laughs> a slightly less uh, emotional black hole than you, Christina. Um, I got an email just some devastating. Some devastating news this week. It's it's hard to talk about, but. So a while back, I I, I spent um, I pre-ordered for eight hundred dollars an Optimus Prime that transforms itself automatically for you, and you can oh, connect your iPhone to it, and you could he'll transform automatically, and you could say Optimus Prime, fight the Decepticons, and he'll swing his axe around and shoot his gun, and then you could say Optimus Prime, roll out, and he'll change into a truck and roll away. I found out that that is being delayed until November. So I'm trying to deal with the emotional body blow of that. Um, But the good news is uh, I am going to rewatch. I'm going to rewatch one excellent Netflix movie that I want to tell y'all about. Uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. Did did any of you hear about this? I have I've read heard reviews, about it. I haven't seen it. It's really good. It's a. Uh, it's got the the woman that starred in uh, Oculus a while back, which was a horror movie, and she drives a, a classic Porsche from the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> and she's this uh, contract killer. It's awesome. And I just found out today they've got another very similar uh, movie coming out with uh, Netflix. Uh, 
very very soon. It's called uh, it's uh, it's called Kate. It stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Love her uh, from she's t- always great. Scott Pilgrim, uh, you know. Uh, uh, the Thing reboot, just always great. And she plays an assassin that is poisoned and has less than 24 hours to get revenge before she dies, which is a great concept. So I already know I'm going to watch that like five times. I saw someone describe it as like cranked plus atomic blonde plus something else. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. You're speaking my language. Yeah, it looks really fun. A lot of neon colors yeah and it is made by the same i think the same director as atomic blonde which i believe you liked i, I believe did. everyone liked it anyway yeah, 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 yeah come on well so sorry for you brie but also happy <laughs> for you um <laughs> i'm working on a new video this week it won't come out Woo-hoo. this week but i um i finally shot something new and i'm editing it which uh, means i'm staring at my face all the time but and i'm enjoying it very, very much, actually. I'm really excited for this one. Um, and that's pretty much all I'm doing this week, because we are in the, the summer shambles. It is a hot time. It is a terrible time to be alive. And I'm just looking forward to fall, y'all. Fall, y'all. Okay. Anyway, hey, Christina, where can we find you online? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find the videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft Developer. And Brianna. Uh, I oh. need an update. Where are we on Clippy? Uh, we oh. are, I, I still need more followers for Clippy. So yes, please follow me on Instagram. If I get 10,000 10, Instagram followers, uh, I will um, dress up in the Clippy costume. I'm at 6,100. So I've gone up like 100 in the last okay. week. So okay. let, let's, let's nice, keep it going, nice. people. Rocket listeners, get it together. Brianna Wu is counting on you. Make my dreams come true. Okay. We want Sorry. this. We, we really want, want I this. Need this. We need I this. Need this. Yes. Our lives depend uh, on it. You can see me at Brianna Wu on Twitter. Perfect. And you can see me on Twitter and Instagram at Doom Quasar and at YouTube.com slash Polygon. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Rockets. If you liked it, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts because we love it when that happens. And also, so do our sponsors. And also, so does Relay FM. They like it because it helps us get more visibility and more listeners and keep making a great show for you. I hope it's great. It's great. This episode was fire, though, to be honest. Yeah. I think you can all agree. Let us know on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> this episode <laughs> of Rocket is terminated. 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 